The Just Podcast is brought to you by ReCity Network. ReCity is the Triangle's hub for social impact. If you're interested in learning more about ReCity, start by booking a tour at ReCityNetwork.org. ReCityNetwork.org is also where you can go to subscribe to their monthly newsletter or make a donation to support ReCity's work. The website, again, is ReCityNetwork.org. You're listening to Just, stories about the people working to build thriving communities rooted in justice, a part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network in partnership with ReCity and Coastal Credit Union. I'm Jess Averhart, co-founder of Black Wall Street Homecoming. And I'm Rob Shields, executive director of the ReCity Network. All right, look, so here's why we're here. We're here to get proximate. We're here to listen. We're here to process. And we're here to help you process. But here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to be preachy because we don't have all the answers and we will never make you feel like an outsider. All right. Well, wow. Wow. I I mean, listen, I know our listeners are so accustomed to this part where we just sort of decompress and talk through what we just experienced, what we just heard. We've invited Reynolds Reynolds Chapman, who is the executive director of Durham Cares, to join us. Um, in this portion of the podcast, Reynolds, are you are you on the phone with us? Do you hear us? Yes, I'm on the phone. I can hear you. Thank Love you, it. thank Love you it. for joining us, y'all. Are for our listeners, listen. Reynolds is on the phone for a very very specific reason. He has he has chest congestion, chest symptoms. So he said to be on the safe side, to err on the side of caution. I will be not joining you in person. Practicing just, just social be, distancing. Just to That's be right. safe. I love that extra cautiousness. So thank you for doing that. And and at the same time, like we said, routines change, missions don't. That's right. And so this is a different routine. You're not with us, but the mission is still the same. And so I really appreciate you being with us. So Reynolds, we're going to ask you to kind of sit in on this first next couple minutes with us as we talk about what we experienced with Leo and Sarita, and then um, ask you some questions on how we might be our best selves through all of this as well. So, yeah. um, all right. So, yeah, thank you. So Rob, uh, first thoughts. Yeah. What are your th- first thoughts on that that interview? It's a privilege to just sit and listen to community leaders who aren't refuse to stop. They refuse to stop serving. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all trying to care well for ourselves yes. right now. We're all trying to care well for those we love. Mm-hmm. But these are communities who are doing that, and they're going, they're going, they're doing something extra. They're, they're, they're caring well for the most vulnerable in our community right now, mm-hmm. in addition uh, to their kind of their natural circles, right? Friends, family, mm-hmm. loved ones. Um, without a playbook. Without a playbook. There's no playbook, and it's changing But it's not even day. on the table. The yeah. thought is not even on the table to stop because the 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 – consequences are too severe if they were to stop, right? Yeah. And they they serve serve people who don't have the luxury of stopping, right? Yeah. To survive, right? And and to make it. And they feel that. Although they, they, I think that juxtaposition of clearly, you know, Sarita and Lero are are coming into that conversation with uh, acknowledging the privileges they do have. Right. They both but are really clear about that. Because they're serving the community so faithfully and in proximity to people who are the most vulnerable, they feel that proximity has created an empathy for them that that they can't just press pause for six months. I felt hopeful that I'm surrounded by friends and community members who are rocking this thing out and 
Um, and frankly, I'm inspired to do more, figure out how I can, you know, be better, show up, teach my son different lessons. Like, you know, we've got, we, we all wear many hats. And so you often hear me talk about my son. And so parents out there, there are things we need to be communicating through this time. Like lot, some of it is action, but a lot of us are like, we can't leave the house or I can't take five kids to whatever. And so, okay, that's fine. But what are we talking about during this time? What are we saying as um, to be good neighbors, right? And so I think there's two layers to this. Like um, what are we teaching? And, and then what are we doing? How do we, how do we put some of this in action? And uh, I'd love to hear what you're working on. But before I do that, Reynolds, um, let we, we did this in our last session is just, how are you? We know you're not feeling well. So that's one thing. So I'd love to know, like physically, are you feeling a little better? And then just generally with the work that you do at Durham cares, like, you know, how are you holding up through this, these last, you know, very confusing 10 days or so? Well, thank you for asking that, and thank you for having me on your show and uh, for doing this. Um, I'm holding up well. I I have some mild chest congestion, and it's really not and it's not debilitating in any way. But um, the more that we learn about the virus, and the more that we learn what we don't know about it, um, has just made me want to be cautious. So thanks for calling me into the show. Um, yeah, we are. We have a couple of kids at home, so we are creating a homeschool schedule and working on that. We both work, so trying to figure out how to make that work. Um, checking in on loved ones, family members. Uh, in fact, with some family members who live further away, we're becoming more connected. Um, and I think there's been uh, with this, there's we're adjusting to the changes with Durham Cares as well. Um, our organization, we do a lot of work that is emphasizes an embodied presence in the community. Um, and now with the guidance from uh, health officials, uh, we, we're told to practice social distancing. So learning how our, our work will shift and how we can really lean into this time and continue to do our work in a way it's addressing the concerns uh, within our network. Hmm. Reynolds, speak. I'd love for you to speak more to that for our listeners who might not be as familiar with your work. I mean, you you have been helping mobilize um, Durham residents to love their neighbor for years now, and so this is while while we're in this crisis, this is not a new mission for you, but it does present a unique new unique opportunities for people to do just that. So. How, you, as, with your unique position, specifically in your work with faith communities locally, how what have you seen the faith community do to step up to, to meet the needs of their vulnerable neighbors right now that has, has been inspiring to you? Yeah, and I'm going to jump in here too, Reynolds, as you answer Rob's question, to talk also just, you know, help our listeners understand what Durham Cares is about, what it does. Sure. Yeah, so we have three parts to our mission. One, to foster collaboration, two, uh, leadership development, and then three, education. And so typically, we have two main program areas. One is our church mobilization network, where we uh, organize churches that share the same neighborhood so they can partner and care for their neighbors in their neighborhoods. Then we also have the Durham Pilgrimage of Pain and Hope, 
um, Justin, uh, you've been on the pilgrimage, and Rob, you were going to go on the pilgrimage that was going to happen this, this weekend. weekend that we've yeah. canceled. Mm, this so um, good. But our pilgrimage is a journey where people learn about the history of the city, uh, go to different sites throughout the city, uh, reflect with a cohort, and discover how Durham's story, our own story, and God's story are connected. Um, so pilgrimage, by definition, really can't be done uh, virtually. So um, there have been some adjustments about how we are going to lean into our pilgrimage alumni network right now and really organize them. Um, but with church mobilization, uh, a lot of church leaders are asking, and faith leader, leaders overall are asking the question, how do I love my neighbor in a time like this? So our work has become particularly important during this time. Um, so, yeah, to answer your question, uh, Rob, about what how we see the faith community responding to this, is interesting. Uh, a few days ago, I there seemed to be a lot of questions. Um, and just in the last couple of days, I'm seeing tons of resources going around and, and popping up where I think a lot of people in the faith community are creating content that is helping the church respond to this. Um, we've created, we have a page on our website, durhamcares.org slash COVID-19, um, where we are updating it on a regular basis. Right now it's daily. Uh, I don't know if it's going to continue to be daily, but there's so many resources going around that we want to stay up with it. But resources, everything from how to be a calm and non-anxious presence during this time. Um, how do you care for a community virtually? Uh, how do you organize a virtual worship service? Um, and how do we address the most vulnerable in our community? Um, so there are a lot of resources going around. And I think what, what I've seen within the faith community, the leaders who are leading with wisdom and courage um, are, is very encouraging. Uh, being aware of what the public health officials are saying, having the courage to uh, speak the truth right now uh, when there's a lot of misinformation uh, is very encouraging to see faith leaders do that. And also faith leaders who are not seeing this as a time off, but this is an opportunity to serve the most vulnerable among us. Um, I've seen a number of... Uh, People in the faith community offer really creative ideas about that. Uh, so I'm very encouraged by that. I love that. Leading, leaders leading with wisdom and courage and not seeing this as a time of time off, but really a time to mobilize. Yeah, Reynolds, when uh, Sarita, and Le- Sarita and Leo were here, we were talking about you know, one of the values of, of this podcast is getting proximate and how important it is to get proximate to injustice and to people who are suffering, realizing for, for this content and this conversation, you know, in times of crisis, it's the most vulnerable um, amongst us that, that suffer the most. Uh, and, and injustice doesn't, you don't press pause on injustice, but actually it can really amplify injustice sometimes. And so I think one of the takeaways that I hear you, it's so encouraging to hear you share about how the people in the faith communities that you're involved with are really not pressing pause on proximity, right? Um, although proximity to neighbor needs to change <laughs> because even in this conversation, like your, your proximity to us needed to change because we need to practice social distancing. But, but what shouldn't change is our proximity to the needs of our neighbor uh, and, and, and leaning in to find out what those are. 
Uh, and I don't think those are either or because uh, we need to continue to pursue justice, right? And, and the beloved community, which you always speak um, about whenever we're in conversation together to, to really, I mean, this is the just podcast. So what does it look like to love neighbor well and see that we need to continue to press in to do what is the most just for the most marginalized? And this yeah. crisis presents an opportunity for, for just that. Yeah, and one of the things about caring for the vulnerable in a time like this is when we seek justice as people of faith or people, you know, various faiths, we, uh, there are many ways to seek that justice. And it's a time like this where caring for the most vulnerable really does require a holistic approach. I've seen a lot of organizations and people um, address this by having uh, needs lists and people responding that to that by donating money. So there's an organizational level, there's an individual level, but there's also a real need right now to advocate for our local and federal officials to address this and care for the most vulnerable because individual and uh, organizational responses is only going to scratch the surface of addressing what's going on. This really, I mean, really, we've, we're learning that this is a global crisis. So it needs to be addressed on a global level. It needs to be addressed on a national level. And so justice right now looks like, on the one hand, living out our lives uh, of justice with people, but also advocating to elected officials. And with, uh, being at home a lot, we can make phone calls to our elected officials and write emails. Uh, uh, this is a important time to be doing that. Yeah. I think that's, we talk a lot at Reynolds about the both and, right. Uh, and, and not the either or. And I think that you're, when you talk about holistic engagement, there's so many levels of, of truth to what you're saying is that we need to be approaching this crisis with, with a both and lens of a holistic lens of, we need to be caring well for individuals and, and addressing systems, right. Uh, as systems are being overwhelmed, literally, uh, and, and the most vulnerable are being, marginalized, uh, and not being served because things are being overrun that, you know, we need to be thinking holistically about which sectors work together. It can't just be a nonprofit thing. It can't just be a business thing. It can't just be a faith community thing. And which is why we're so encouraged to be able to pull all of those voices together in this conversation to talk to a faith leader, right? A, a business leader and a nonprofit leader, because we all need, we're in this together and we all need to be mobilizing our resources so that we can have that type of holistic impact you're talking about. I just want to say this, and then, and then Reynolds, I really just want to get your reaction to this on how our listeners can be more thoughtful around this piece of when we talk about our most vulnerable. Um, I have the privilege of being on the board of Prevent Child Abuse North Carolina, and so I'm often thinking about these pressures on our families. And so when this started happening last week, I got really uh, I started to get really worried about the financial pressures. M most, you know, abuse and neglect comes from you know, not, not intention, right? I mean, there it's because of pressure, financial pressure specifically on families who are feeling like they can't make ends meet and they, they have all these needs of their family. They're feeling like there is an, a lack of justice or there's, you know, they're not getting, they're not able to make ends meet and they're working two and three jobs. And so now these jobs are going to be gone or the, the, the hours that they're going to get are going to be reduced. They're, the pressure that already exists within our, our families um, in underserved communities has now gone up exponentially. And the ripple effect 
we're going to see that with our young people, our kids who are at home, you know, and, and either in childcare or not or whatever, um, and our elderly. And so Reynolds, I know there's all these economic, right, and political implications, but there's also just this, this sense of how do, I don't, I, like, what can our, I, I don't know. I just feel like we need to be thinking, praying, um, helping, supporting, and, it, and acknowledging that, that we're going to see um, some, some really heavy and difficult stories come out of this time. And so I'm basically making a statement because it's been on my heart this whole time we've been talking, we, you know, is there anything we can yeah. do there? Well, and you, and if, you know, and you, just, we should just acknowledge that it. Compassion. And I think, I think you're right. I think it's important to not paint this over with, uh, with, or look through it with those colored glasses or sugarcoat it. Cause these are a couple of metaphors. Um, this could be really difficult for a lot of people, and it already is taking a financial toll on people. It's already taking a psychological toll and a health toll. I mean, there are people dying from this right now, and it is important to recognize that. So I appreciate the truth and the honesty about that, and I think the faith community does need to attend to that reality. Um, and you were talking earlier about both ends and one of the both ends within the faith community that we hold together is that we have faith and we have hope. Um, and we come together and share that with each other through prayer. I've been a part of multiple prayer groups since this started. Uh, the church that I go to, Mount Level Missionary Baptist Church, we had a prayer line on Sunday morning. And it was so nourishing to be in fellowship with my community over even though it was virtual. Um, and, you know, there have been multiple groups who have organized prayer. So I've been grateful for that. Um, and, but I think that as we move forward, there's a combination. I think if we lean too side, too heavy on the side where we say, where we write a lot, a lot of this off and we say we just need to have faith and not be afraid, um, I think there's a danger to that. But I also do think that fear is dangerous when it leads to violence toward each other or violence to ourselves or our family members. Um, and in times like that, we can take comfort. Uh, and in my faith, personally, I take comfort in the, God, in the reality that uh, as a Christian, I believe that Jesus came and he was with us through our suffering. He bore our burden. And uh, that is a comfort to me. And so um, I think we take it one day at a time and we uh, continue to walk for forward in both faith, hope, and, and all the, the, the three virtues, faith, hope, and love. Um, and it's different. Love is different now with the practicing social distancing, um, but we can continue in creative ways to love our neighbors through this. Thank you. I think that's great. And we'll... I think we're, we're going to be putting up that website. I think this would be really important for any families, regardless of circumstance, if that pressure gets to be too much, it's insurmountable, or you do feel hopeless. There are, there are um, organizations that are responding to that. Um, you, 
I don't know, you know, everyone has sort of their own faith walk, but leaning into that in this time now more than ever, but those pressures should not come out, you know, and uh, compound the impact on our, our, the least of us, right? Our most vulnerable, those whose voices are often overshadowed. So I'm just, I'm sort of kind of talking to our listeners. Like if you feel like you're on that edge, because this is like something you didn't expect two weeks ago. And now you feel like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And you do feel hopeless. Um, thank you Reynolds for giving us kind of the outlet and we will provide some resources. Um, Rob, it's recity.org, right? Recitynetwork.org. Please go there. I mean, there are places you don't have to react and respond in a harmful way to yourself or to others. There's a way to sort of see this and find the hope, right? And to see your way out of this. And it could be hard, but there are, there are options. Yeah, everything that Reynolds has just shared, really we're, we're following Reynolds' lead when it comes to mobilizing the faith community to love neighbor right now. So on ReCity's website, you've just heard from uh, a business leader, a faith leader, and a nonprofit leader. We're going to have resources available from each of those sectors on a single page so that you can really see what it looks like to holistically engage our community right now. And so uh, Reynolds and Durham Cares' team will be, as they update their resources, that'll be reflected on our, our website um, and so it'll take you straight to, to them um, as they're really redefining proximity uh, right now. So, yeah, Reynolds, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. We, we uh, are going to be praying for you, for your health, um, but also praying for, for you and the work that you're doing that uh, you would continue to be able to lean in and, and further your important work that, that you don't have the luxury of stopping right now, right, as, as um our other guests don't yeah, as well. I know it's such, it's the good work. I love that hashtag do the good work, man. Our people are doing some great work and um, I'm honored to, to have had the opportunity to have these conversations and the little bit that we're able to do to get the word out um, where we can um, has been a, a real, a real gift. So thank you. Thank you, Reynolds. Get better, my friend. Thanks for having me. All right, friend. All right, thank Take you. care. Thank you for uh-huh. everything you're doing. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. When I think about how to translate this out and, and maybe leave it as like a final encouragement to our listeners, right? Um, this is going to feel weird, but the analogy that jumps into my head is the, how relevant like the, this story of the Titanic is, if you can believe that. Like I'm, I, it's going to go, it's going to go somewhere. had a great analogy I a, I for this. Him. And I've been waiting him, the I, whole podcast for this analogy. But listen, I think it's appropriate, right? So when we think about the Titanic, we think about when that ship was sinking, who went, who went first, Jess? Who went first into the lifeboats? No, I'm, I'm asking. Kids yeah, the, the kids. Wi- the wives the kids and, or women. Yeah, kids and the ladies were first on the boat. But here's here's a side of that I don't think we talk about that makes it relevant for justice, right? Also, who was in that boat? Positions. Right? No, I'm not, kidding. They were the last. The, ones. Well, they I were they, they, the privileged and the powerful. They you better believe they got first access onto those boats for, because they lever, they played that card, um, and so we tell that story as a tragedy of loss of life, which it is. We don't tell it as a story of injustice. We don't, right? But when I think about the drawing the connection between who suffered most in that situation to who's suffering most right now in this crisis, it's the same demographic. It's those without privilege, those without power, the most vulnerable and the most marginalized amongst us. Um, and here's how that analogy continues to be relevant, right? You know, we know that 1500 people 
died when that ship sank. Uh, 700 people, though, made it into lifeboats, right? So men, women, children made it in, 700 of them made it into the lifeboats. The 1,500 people in the water all died, but they didn't die because the boat sank. They didn't, they didn't drown. They froze. They, froze. They, 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 they were holding on icebergs. They I had, saw the movie. They had, they had life preservers, you know, except for Leonardo DiCaprio. He did not have a life preserver. Everyone else had a life preserver. So they were floating in the water. They didn't die because the boat sank. They died because the 700 that were in half-filled lifeboats didn't turn around. If you have the privilege of listening to this podcast, you need to pause and identify which category are you in right now? Because Jess, you and me, we're in the lifeboat category. Um, are, we, are we in a lifeboat because we have a level of privilege? Because honestly, every single one of our guests have a level of privilege where they're in the lifeboat too. But they're answering the question, what do I do? Am I steering that lifeboat away from my vulnerable neighbors or, or towards them? Um, am I getting proximate? And I think that, yes, practice social distancing. Yes, I mean, literally Reynolds was practicing it as we were speaking to him. I'm not discouraging social distancing. It is incredibly important. And that's one way we love our vulnerable neighbor, but it's not the only way. Here's what we shouldn't do. We shouldn't insulate ourselves from the needs of the vulnerable around us because there are still ways that we can turn our boat around. You have to be positive in the face of this stuff, right? And be realistic. What you just shared is so, right. so, 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 so true. Both, yeah. And we are in the lifeboat. But it's our choice to, to, to go to safety and, and not hear, hear our friends and neighbors behind us that are in the water. Or it's our choice to turn around and say, I have room for you. If you have a choice... What are you going to do to love the people that don't? Yeah. That's it. Good one. Good one, friend. I'll see you in two weeks. I'll see you soon. Thanks so much for listening to Just, a part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network in partnership with ReCity and Coastal Credit Union. In the spirit of sharing, if you like what you've heard, tell a friend about the show and give us a five-star rating and review. Many thanks to DJ P-Dog and producer Low Key for producing the music for our show. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.